This is Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices. I'm your host, Umbreen Khan. This week, we're looking at the war in Ukraine. Shortly after talking to Benjamin Morrison, I headed downtown towards the nation's capital to meet with Father Hitchens at his church. I am pastor here of the Ukrainian Catholic National Shrine of the Holy Family in Washington, D.C. I was talking to my mother as I was driving down to the White House yesterday there for the support rally. And, you know, she was crying on the phone because she said she saw the videos of these fathers saying goodbye to their children because the children and, you know, the wives can get out of the country. But men 18 to 60 are being told to stay to defend the country. It might be the last time that they see their children and the children see their father. So, again, the human impact of this senseless war. It was just a few hours before he was going to lead prayers at a vigil at the Holodomor Memorial in Washington, D.C. The vigil was organized by the Ukrainian-American Congressional Caucus. We met in a room in the church often used by children to observe the service rites and rituals from behind a large glass window. That allowed them to see what's going on in the sanctuary while staying occupied with toys. Near my feet were preschool trucks, a reminder that this small community includes families of all ages. It was the first time I'd been to a Catholic church that felt more like an Eastern Orthodox church. We maintain all of the liturgical and spiritual and theological treasures, if for want of a better word, of the East and, you know, following the Byzantine tradition of the Church of Constantinople, but we are Catholic. And like any Roman Catholic can come to church here and receive all the sacraments, the holy mysteries, just as I or any other Ukrainian Catholic can go across to the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception and receive all the sacraments in their church. In the foyer to my left, Pope Francis's picture hangs on the wall. Across from it, an aging but helpful poster explaining the relationship and unique traditions, how the rituals, liturgy, and art of this church are reminiscent of the Eastern Rites. And that includes an icon screen with panels set in front of the nave, on each door a different portrait. The images and iconography, Father Hitchens explains, are intended to be an encouragement for congregants, especially in difficult times. One of the doors is St. Stephen, and St. Stephen is the first martyr of the Christian church. And especially for Ukrainians, that is something that's very important because unfortunately throughout history, they've been subjected to some terrible horrors, whether it was from the Nazis or whether it was from the communist regime. And in 1932-1933, the Holodomor, which we call the man-made famine, where Depending upon the sources you look at, some people say as many as 10 million people starved to death mm. in a year. And then the great persecution of our own Ukrainian Catholic Church that took place in the 1940s where it was declared illegal. And so bishops were killed, others imprisoned, priests, religious, and in Ukraine itself, for years the church operated underground. And the communist authorities knew that all the way through the late 1980s, the teachers were trained 
to ask them questions on Monday. So what did you do yesterday? Mm. And if one of the children slipped up and said, oh, I went to church or they celebrated Christmas or Easter, they were you know, punished, which was severe. I know one seminarian uh, that's a person studying for ordination to the priesthood shared with me that when he answered the wrong way, the teacher brought him up and slammed his uh, hand in the desk to punish him. And then his parents also paid the price for taking him to church. Ukrainians, unfortunately, have always endured a lot of suffering, and that's why we identify with the martyrs. Over the decades, like many houses of worship, this congregation has shrunk. The pandemic made in-person gathering challenging. Recently, the church resumed in-person services, one in English and one in Ukrainian. After the invasion began on February 21st, Ukrainian-Americans hosted vigils and protests across the country, many alongside houses of worship. The Ukrainian Catholic Shrine of the Holy Family in Washington is one of those places. This Sunday at our 9 o'clock service, When I opened the royal doors for the beginning of the liturgy, you would have thought it was Easter Sunday because we were full. Mm. And this church can officially seat 456 people, and the majority were not from our community. They were from the greater Washington community, where people who perhaps before may not have been able to find Ukraine on the map, they know people are suffering and are being persecuted. And it means so much to know that there is solidarity. I've had so many phone calls of people offering their mother-in-law suites, and they have a finished basement. We have an arsenal. It's not of bullets or rockets or missiles or bombs, but it's an arsenal of prayer, of fasting, of almsgiving, of doing good works. And that's following the teachings of Jesus Christ caring about our neighbors, whoever they are, and doing our best in 25th chapter of Gospel of St. Matthew when Jesus recounts the last judgment and talks about, I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was naked, I was sick, I was imprisoned, I was ill, and whatever you did to the least of my brethren you did to me, that's what our mission is here, and especially here at our Ukrainian Catholic Church The hopes are that this crisis will end and that its borders will remain intact and its people will be respected. The fears are that because of technology today, when this air raid sirens go off in the cities in Ukraine, and there are people of this parish that still have family members over there, they're getting real-time information. We've got to run to the bomb shelter. We did a baptism here on Saturday at the 9 a.m. liturgy, and the godmother could not be here because she's in Ukraine, and she actually joined us by way of her cell phone. She was present as godmother in the bomb shelter because where she lives in Ukraine, they're near a military target. The major archbishop of our church, whom we refer to as Patriarch Shatoslav Shevchuk, is there in the city of Kyiv, as are other bishops and other bishops in their diocese throughout Ukraine, Roman Catholic, Ukrainian Catholic, Orthodox. And then our church even had you know, said for our priests to not abandon their communities, be there as a presence of prayer and to be there to hold their people up. 
Father Hitchens, a second-generation Ukrainian-American, also feels that responsibility. I've been doing my best to try to make sure that I'm present and that I'm with the people down there at the White House, down there at the Lincoln Memorial, down at the Holodomor Monument later this afternoon. You know, again, that represents the monument dedicated to the people who perished in the forced famine under Stalin of 1932 in addition to humanitarian and spiritual support, the political pressure and leadership of the United States government was unified by President Biden's first State of the Union. The day after I met with Father Hitchens, global audiences saw a United States government putting aside its domestic political divisions for a short while. Members of both chambers, Republicans and Democrats, wore yellow and blue ribbons, kerchiefs and scarves to visually convey support for Ukraine along with a standing ovation for Ukraine's ambassador to America, Oksana Markarova. Let each of us, if you're able to stand, stand and send an unmistakable signal to the world of Ukraine. Thank you. She's bright, she's strong, she's resolved. That's all for this week's show. If you're interested in finding out more about our guests, head over to the episode page on our website at interfaithradio.org. While you're there, you can also learn about us, read the show notes, sign up for our newsletter, and explore the archive. You can find our podcast on Apple, Stitcher, or by searching Interfaith Voices in the podcaster of your choice. And while you're there, help us out by leaving a rating and review. It helps others find us. This week's episode was produced by myself and Kevin McCarthy. Thanks to our founder, Maureen Fiedler, for her vision. Inspired as a production of Interfaith Voices, we rely on the generous support of our listeners to bring you this show. Before we go, a note about the global response to this humanitarian crisis. A growing number of concerns are being raised that there is a racialized dimension to the global response. As the world rallies behind Ukraine and imposes sanctions destabilizing the economy of Russia, there are growing voices raising concerns about race and ethnicity, contrasting the global response and actions to the plight of Syrians, Palestinians, Afghans, Ethiopians, South Sudanese, and Rohingya, among others. And in some corners, opposition to the war is deeply rooted in anti-war convictions. In an upcoming episode, we'll be exploring these issues and more. If you subscribe to our podcast, you'll receive a special conversation with Associated Press religion reporter Peter Smith, who provides a explainer on religion in Ukraine. I'm your host and executive producer, Umbreen Khan. Wherever you are, I hope you are safe, I hope you are well, and that you stay connected. I'll see you next week.